there, and thank you for tuning in to the Occlusal Table. I'm one of your hosts, Taylor Jackson. And it's your girl, Jasmine Clyde. And today we'll continue our Dental School Declassified series with interviewing the junior class so that we can gather advice and listen in on their dental school experience. Let's get started. And today we're delighted to have two very special guests, uh, members of the Money Team class, Eris and Brendan. All right, woo! you said the money team that's right so uh let's hear about yourselves uh, all right well i'll go first um i'm brandon thompson you know the the music guy of the money team um <laughs> i'm from detroit michigan i went to wayne state university um and it's a pleasure to be on the show very nice. Well, my name is Eris Hannah. I'm from Jacksonville, Florida. I went to the University of Central Florida, and I'm excited to be here representing the money team with my classmate. Thank you guys for having me. Yay, we're so excited to have y'all. So I guess we can get right into it. Um, so I guess we can start with Eris. Why did you choose dentistry, dentistry and what was your journey um, towards getting into dental school? So for me, I've always had positive experiences um, with dentistry. I needed braces because I had a large gap, a large diastema. Let me speak like a doctor. <laughs> and um, I was super insecure about it, but I had a great experience with my orthodontist. And I just felt like the career gave me opportunity to still be in the field of science and medicine, but still have some control over my life and my schedule and work-life balance. So um, I pursued it since I was in my freshman year of high school. Um, I ended up getting my master's in health science at Meharry Medical College, and then I continued on into the dental class. So my journey has not been easy. It sounds simple saying it that way, but it's <laughs> that's what got me into dentistry. That's great. And Brandon? Uh, so I definitely didn't go into undergrad thinking I was going to be a dentist. Um, in fact, I changed my major about five different times. Um, I started out in business, and I realized that ain't going to work because I'm a science guy. So then I went to nutrition because I've always had a thing for exercise. And, you know, I wanted to help people like lose weight and stuff like that and scope their body if they wanted to. So I went spe specifically into dietetics to be a dietitian, um, applied for that, didn't get in. Then I was like, all right, I'm going to try physical therapy. I applied for physical therapy, didn't get in. So ultimately, I just got my undergrad in nutrition. But um it wasn't until I started doing my own research on dentistry, um, and then I got a job as a dental technician that I knew I wanted to fully pursue it. Um, I did always have an interest, though, in dentistry um, because when I was in sixth or when I was yeah I was, I was sixth grade, eleven years old, uh, I broke my number eight, um, and I was two weeks away from getting braces, so it kind of screwed me oh, up. Wow. But I always liked the process and, and the care I got from getting uh, a root canal, getting a temporary, a temporary crown to getting braces and then getting a permanent crown. So it's like, I just liked all the different aspects of dentistry and that's what like, always got me interested. But again, I didn't always know I wanted to do it. That's great. So then between you guys being super involved on campus and even being, you know, uh, great dental students, how do you guys balance your personal life and dental school? So even if you do like experience burnout, what did you do? So for me, I just 
um, I learned myself so much in dental school. You kind of come in and you feel like you have to be up all night and study till late hours or you're not doing enough. But um, you definitely have to take care of yourself first. And any time that I needed to just stop, I would just stop. Cut on Netflix, binge watch a show, um, go home if I had the time to do it and just make sure that I kept my mental state together. Um, Cause doing that made, made me make sure that I got everything done that I needed to get done, whether that was leadership or academics or all of the above. Yeah, I agree with Eris. Um, I think uh, one of the biggest lies that people tell themselves is that there's not enough time in the day. Um, mm. I think there's plenty of time in the day. I think everybody on this, on this cause a living testament to that. I mean, you guys currently hold leadership positions and you've had it for a couple a year now so you know what it's like you know whether it's as the dear class president um so it's not impossible i think it's about prioritizing um yeah also making time for yourself your friends significant others and family um however you know everyone gets burned out right so especially d3 year um which you know i'm sure we'll get into later in the, in the conversation here but um you got to have distressors I th- for me it's like eating whatever I want video games, um, exercising, and you know, something just venting with my friends. Um, and you know, y'all like y'all know I like to make music, so that's my, probably my biggest escape from reality. So then, with all of you know how you guys handled burnout and everything, what do you think were some of your toughest moments being in dental school? You guys are going into your fourth year. Woo! right now (laughs) you know so you know what do you think were some of your toughest moments along the way or even then what were some of your best moments um oh go ahead oh you can go ahead Brandon okay um well for me on an academic level um I say the the toughest part is for me was learning what study methods work best for me um, coming from undergrad, I, I pretty much relied on like PowerPoints. You know, I didn't really like reading. I still don't really like reading to this mm-hmm. day. But you know, once I got to Meharry, um, especially starting off in the Masters of Health Science program, I learned that you know you can't just rely on the PowerPoints, but you got to uh, question the different concepts and, and do research yourself. Um, and then on a personal level. I mean, at least for me, I would say, I think the hardest thing is the relationships that you gain and and you lose. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you can be close with people at the beginning of dental school and then you realize some people kind of change on you. Uh, That's no (laughs) not in in my class, but it's just life. And it's it's something that I deal with sometimes. Um, Yes, I I agree with everything Brandon said. Retweet Um, for me. (laughs) Uh, I think my hardest part academically, um, maybe not necessarily a year, but just translating what I'm learning didactically into my hands. That was Mm. something that I never experienced. Obviously, that's something I feel like you kind of really get experience in dental school. So you can be a great didactic student and then you have to come and cut that crowd. You're like, how do I, you know, get this CSA to look right? You know, things like that. So but that also humbled me. It made me more focused and, and caused me to practice a lot more. And really, you don't have anybody to tell you how long to put into a crown prep. I mean, you know, they encourage you to practice it, but nobody's over your shoulder to watch you actually do it the way it needs to be done. So I feel like that matured me and it challenged me in a lot of ways because I had never done that before. So 
um, that was challenging for me. And I think personally, like Brandon said, relationships, of course, um, I've been blessed to have good ones and, you know, things happen and that's fine. But also with family, I mean, I lost my grandmother last year. So that was mm-hmm. probably the hardest part um, of dental school for me thus far, because, you know, you it's four years. So you're like, OK, let's hurry up and get to the end. You want everybody to be there and be a part. Um, but sometimes, you know, life happens, happens. To, yes. you know, make sure you continue to keep them proud proud and do what they would want you to do and what they've been telling you this whole time. So those were my biggest challenges. Absolutely. And I think me and Taylor can relate to like, you know, reading all the theory of what you're supposed to do mm-hmm. in the type of but then they're like, Oh, you know, you should know what you're doing. Uh, just, you read it, right. You know, your theory, but then it's like, Oh wait, you got the handpiece in your hand and I have to apply it now. I need to apply it. <laughs> right. A little too mesial, a little too distal. The toots all burnt up and stuff. So it's just, <laughs> and they're not like going to be over your shoulder. Like, Oh, you need to fix this, fix that. They're like, you need to self-assess yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, get it. Cause you're going to be in the clinic. Cause they keep telling us our first week back. Oh, count down the clinic. Y'all going to be there soon. And oh, it's like, and it's the countdown and you diving in head first. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Cause it's not like, you know, practicing on a type of down where, you know, we mess up. Oh, okay. Let me pop this yeah. out. Pop one, a new one back in. It's not like that for an actual patient. Right. So I think, I think doing that, that even right there is, it's scary. <laughs> you know something that stuck out to me dr tyus would always tell us they could teach us so many things but they can't teach us how to see and i mm-hmm. didn't really appreciate that until i started cutting prep and dr mcshan would be like that's too deep and i'm like where i mean it looks perfect to me you know but it's so amazing how in dental school you learn you know to see things like a dentist you learn to appreciate minor details yeah, you think you're detail oriented before but when you get to criticizing your own preps, looking over at your partners or anything like that, that detail just goes a long way. So I really appreciate that. It's hard, but it's a beautiful thing. You kind of try to perfect it. Definitely. Yeah. So then I guess oh. on that note, I'm sorry, Brandon, go ahead. Well, I was saying, cause I, I forgot to say something that I, I liked. I mean, we kind of, you know, got into some of the, the toughest thing, but we can really say our favorite parts. Um, I'll just keep it brief. Um, I just want to say I really love our money team Halloween parties. <laughs> <laughs> what I look forward to every year. Hopefully, good old Roma is good to us this year. Uh, we'll see. We're able to uh, have it. I mean, it is what it is. Um, also, uh, our diversity day program, I think, was really fun. So, yeah. um, unfortunately, you guys didn't get to. I know. You know we were planning it. everything. You really uh, were. But, you know, that's cool. So I guess on the academic side for us, because you're, you know, you're our predecessor and everything. um, What kind of tips would you give us like academic wise for D3 year? So it's one thing that is going to suffocate you D3 year. Brandon already knows what I'm about to say. And that is group projects. <laughs> and when you get in it, you're going, I honestly lost count at the number of projects that I had. We eventually got to a point where we were like, let us just keep the same group. Like stop trying to mix it up. Let us just keep <laughs> what we're doing. We got it. Um, so definitely balancing that and, and being proactive and not uh, procrastinating because I'm going to be completely honest. It got the times where I was typing on a PowerPoint slide 15 minutes before we had to go for <laughs> um, Don't be like me. Um, yeah. yeah. But um, group projects and definitely, um, I think third year is kind of more about solidifying things and, and learning about uh, more specific details to what you learn in second year. 
and you have patients now. So in applying, applying it clinically and, you know, as much as we know we're student doctors, when you were that patient, they refer to you as a doctor. They look at you as a doctor. They don't really think about you being a student and what you have and haven't done. So um, balancing, you know, those group projects and your classes, it's a lot. It is a lot, but you guys can do it for sure. Yeah, I definitely want to reemphasize the group projects. Um, I would definitely say uh, get those done as early as you can. Um, you know, you guys potentially might be going virtual, you know, for most of the semester with the corona going on. So things might be a little bit different for you. However, the workload is more than likely probably going to be the same. So, you know, I would just make sure that you guys get this done early and also realize that, um, I don't know if you guys are aware of social loafing. Uh, what that is basically is like the larger the group, the less people want to put in the work. What'd you call that, Brandon? Social loafing. I actually learned that in one of my business classes. Okay. I like so, that. But um, yeah, so just, you know, just be the leader among your group. Just say, look, it's best we get this done because in addition to group project, you're going to have sometimes two or three exams per week. Yeah. And, you know, Eris knows what I'm talking about. Like that, yeah. that, that sucks. You know, um, I won't say the, that semester is particularly as challenging maybe as like D one year first semester, but it's just, it's so much going on. And you also have clinic to worry about. Managing patients in there. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. So, um, also other thing I want to say is I would recommend, um, studying for boards just leisurely like in like january mm-hmm. like just to kind of be on the same spectrum like know what you're about to get into because over the you know uh part two is year two and year three so all that stuff put together so you kind of have to refresh your memory so um i would say just go ahead and do that right we got a little taste of uh d3 year we taking um two d3 classes now we're in d3 pedo and we got a project out the way already, still going through some groups now and um, pathology two, oral path two. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and we have a project for that. Yeah. <laughs> so we're already getting started. Yeah, so we can feel it a little bit. That's table, you have table clinics, right? And that's no, normally- we're doing a project in lieu of the table clinics. Oh, so that's not gonna happen anymore? Mm-mm. Not at this moment, uh-uh. Interesting. So then with you guys going into your last year of dental school, if you could just go back to orientation and just do everything over with everything that you know now, is there anything that you would do differently or some advice you'd give to the years coming behind you? Well, I wouldn't say I'd do anything over because, you know, I feel like mistakes are meant to happen like you're meant to learn from your mistakes uh, make sure they don't happen again but there are a few things i would change if i could um i would have definitely worked a lot harder in dao um mm. to try to get a better grade i mean we all know how that grade <laughs> i'm not gonna get into specifics there but um i would have definitely tried to work a little harder um also you know i would have spent more time you know this past year um at school trying to you know get more patience and things like that. So, um, also, oh, and get my mannequin work done. Mm. <laughs> that's, that's, so. 
Um, I honestly can't think of anything I would necessarily do differently. I feel like I've really had an amazing time in dental school. I haven't done everything right, um, for sure, but I think the decisions I made as far as leadership, I definitely could always do better academically. You know, I could, you know, some nights I just close the book and cut on the, <laughs> yeah, let, let whatever God had in store for the test happen. <laughs> but um, other than that, I just, I think I would have, I would go back and tell myself um, to only worry about myself and mm-hmm. to know that, um, you know, I'm the only person that I need to worry about as far as academics or anything like that. Because sometimes you can get caught up in that, whether oh, yeah. you intentionally try to or not. I wouldn't classify myself as a gunner or anything like that. But, you know, sometimes your classmates may be talking about how they got a 96 and you looking there with your 80 like, oh, OK, well, <laughs> you know what I mean? But at the same time, that's your 80, you know, that that's what you understood and just challenge yourself to be better. Don't let that, you know, bring you down or anything. Um, So that's something that I would definitely tell myself to just focus on you. And I kind of learned that eventually. But if I had that mentality at the beginning, I feel like I wouldn't have, you know, questioned myself in the times that I did. So, yeah. All right, y'all hungry for knowledge. We're giving you the munchies. So this story is provided by um, today.com and it's really cool because, um, you know, with the whole, um, all this Black Lives Matter stuff going on now, all this police brutality stuff that Black folks are dealing with in this day and age, which it's not new news, but you know, it's just heightened now, um, especially with COVID and everything. And so two college students from Loyola Marymount University in Los Angeles, they raised $50,000 on Instagram in support of Black Lives Matter. So in just three days, um, Desmond Hemmons and Christian Jackson, rising juniors at Loyola Marymount University in Los Angeles, partnered with 40 different student groups at their university to raise over $40,000 for a variety of organizations supporting Black Lives Matter. They are the co-presidents of an on-campus group, Brothers of Consciousness, Consciousness, a Black male leadership organization whose mission is to promote the values of leadership and social justice within the Black community and the Loyola Marymount University community at large. Um, After seeing Instagram flooded with posts supporting the movement, they decided to use their platform to make an impact. They designed an easily shareable bingo-like template and that they distributed that on Instagram by over 500 students and collected individual donations via Venmo. So they raised $50,000 just from that. That's, that's really awesome. And um, especially now with um, everything going on, it's pretty depressing when you turn on the TV sometimes and Mm -hmm. you try to find some sort of uplifting news. What, what good are people doing really? Mm -hmm. Um, So it's just, it's great news. Something there's a light at the end of the tunnel, even though it feels like we're still, uh, in the storm. So what do y'all think about that? That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Right, right. It is. Um, I think like both of them, like they're doing the most with what they can. So it's not like, you know, using us being in quarantine as in like, you know, some sort of excuse for everything or even like with them being college students, like, oh no, I can't make that much of an impact. I can't raise that much money. Like they really took their positions. They took their platform. They took social media, even Jasmine, like what you said, like turning on, opening up Instagram, Twitter, Mm -hmm. um, looking at the news, everything can be depressing at times, but it's like to see, come across this story. It's just like, wow. Okay. You're right. There is you know, some light out there when it comes to, you know, stuff like this. So they really did um, make the most of everything that they had. And 
I I definitely applaud them for that because yeah. I me being 19, 20 years old, I probably wouldn't have even thought mm-hmm. to come up with an idea like this and to raise fifty thousand dollars. Exactly. In three days. Right. In three days. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, that's really awesome. That's really awesome for them. Word of Mouth is a segment of the show where we break the ice and have some fun and allow our listeners to really get to know us. So our first sub-segment is OMG or Oh My Gauze, and that's where we discuss the clinic advice um, portion of the show. So Eris, Brandon, any advice or any stories, <laughs> you know, any anything, you can uh, just, you know, it's all yours. Um, you go first, Brandon. <laughs> All right. Um, first thing I would say is definitely develop a rapport with your team leaders. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know who your team leaders are. Mine is Dr. Jackson. So, um, sorry. Sometimes <laughs> it's a good thing. Other times it's very challenging. Um, because you know, you know how he is, but he's a very smart guy and he will help you. But. You just got to be able to just just develop a rapport with your team leaders. Um, assist each other when I, whenever you guys get a chance because, you know, whenever you guys do eventually get patients, um, it's going to be a little nerve-wracking at first. So just, you know, be there for each other, assist each other, um, even if it's just, you know, uh, holding the air water syringe or something. Like, just be there for the person. You're going to need to lean on each other. Um, set up your station early. Mm-hmm. Uh, have all your armamentarium. Like, that is not a joke. <laughs> have everything you need because there's going to be times like you running back and forth and then, you know, the patient's going to get restless. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then your professor's going to look at you like, you know, do you know what you're doing? So just, you know, have all that um, and be confident. Um, again, you know, like I said, you're gonna it's going to be a little nerve-wracking the first time you do it, but you know, ask questions, um, ask your classmates, you can ask us, you know, we'll be there. Um, we, cause we're still a work in progress too. So we don't know everything, but you know, we're, we're trying to, um, and, uh, you know, you guys will be all right. <laughs> Shout out to Dr. Jackson, our class advisor. Blueprint yep, class right. advisor. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Jackson for genius for sure. Um, but for me, my advice would definitely be to jump in head first. Um, every time you have a clinic session, go. Um, if you don't have a patient, get some mannequin work done. Assist your classmate. Um, get some endo requirements done. Drop in a group me and say, hey, anybody need an assist? Um, be proactive because um, one, that'll speak to your team lead and they'll know you. Um, and obviously they know you from teaching you, but they know who they see in the clinic and who they don't for sure. Um, so when you have any challenges and need any help, they, you know, not saying that they'll show any bias, but they'll respect you because they know that this person is here very frequently. Um, definitely be confident. I know for me, you really think you don't know so much. You really do. You really like, uh, I think that's the case. I don't know, but be confident. You know, you're, it's, my team leader is Dr. Davis and I love Dr. Davis. I could talk about him all day. Um, but he challenges me every time I work with him in the clinic. Trust me, I mess up every time I forget. It, it's just, I could tell stories all day. We'll be on here all day, but 
by the time it's over and I dismiss my patient, he always tells me I did a great job. Something up. He just always, Oh, you did a good job today, doctor. And it just makes me feel that much better. And I learn each time I go into the clinic. Luckily, I've been blessed to have very patient patients. My patients are kind of a bit older, don't have anywhere to be. But please don't say <laughs> that that four hours is a long time. It's it's really a good hour if you think about it. Like, it, it burns by quick, um, you know, and then, you know, technical difficulties may happen. You know, mm-hmm. your extra unit may not work. Your dispensary may be out of something. Just different things that can happen. So, Roll with the punches, but jump in there head first and, and go. Like always go. Don't don't be afraid or timid to go into the clinic because you're a doctor now and you you have the, the tools to be able to maneuver through the clinic successfully. So that would be my advice. So does each team leader have a different way to that you get patients or do you go out in the community and get patients? How do y'all do that? Um so technically we're supposed to self-recruit. Personally, um I made some business cards. Still have about 498 out of the five. <laughs> <laughs> um, did not self-recruit. I was just assigned patients. That doesn't happen for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, but for, from what I've seen, a lot of people are just really assigned patients. If they recruit them on their own, like family or friends okay. or Uber driver or whatever, they could just register and say, hey, Jasmine, you know, is my student doctor and it'll go that way. Okay, good to know. Mm-hmm. Good to know. Also, um, sometimes, like for me, just being in the school, um, like being around ODS or just kind of hanging around PSR, like there's been a couple times where I've got a patient. There was actually one time like I was supposed to assist someone upstairs uh, for some procedure. I think it was uh, SRP or something. But I happened to go downstairs and Dr. Williams saw me. He was like, well, what are you doing? I was like, I'm assisting somebody. I'm about to help. He was like, no, you about to extract this tooth on this patient. I was like, oh my gosh. what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, and he was dead serious. Like, yeah. so I went in there and I had to do it. But the the positive out of that is now now that patient is my patient. Okay. So, mm-hmm. But unfortunately, you know, good due to our good buddy Rona, I haven't been able to see her. So um I just gotta wait and see how things go. Yeah. Don't be afraid. Um that, that's my biggest thing. Um, I know for me, oral surgery was like one of my first rotations I had to go through. And I know we're all, we did our nerve blocks on each other, but we're like, um, about this on a real person. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but in that clinic, you know, you get so much experience. You work with people who are in pain. Um, so you learn so much. And I know it was times I was in there with one of my classmates and we could not get this endodontically treated tooth out. It was broken down. Only the mesial half was left for me to hook this up. We're like, okay, Dr. Danielle, we need help. And he's like, I need it out in the next 20 minutes. All right. So see you later. You know, and we're like (laughs) in there together trying to figure it out, but we ultimately did figure it out. So not to say that they won't help you, but they will definitely challenge you to Be the doctor and figure it out on your own for sure. Mm. All right. And next up, we have nothing but the tooth. So that's when we're going to have deep conversational topics um, and just discussing how we go about life. Um, So I guess our topic for today is with everything that's going on in the world and in society, COVID-19, police brutality, racial injustice, um, literally everything uh, that's going on. How are you both handling it being a student doctor? And how has this impacted you 
personally? I know for me, it's been super duper heavy. Um, you know, I, I don't know. It's just, I can't turn my TV off. I want to turn it off uh, from seeing all the negative things, but it's like that tug of war between do I want to say up to date, know what's going on, or do I want to protect my mental? I know some days I've had to really just like take a break from social media and just sit to myself, but it's also, um, and that's more so in regards to like police brutality and racial injustice and, and things that are going on in that realm. As far as COVID, at first, I, I'm not going to lie, I didn't take it as serious as I needed to. Um, and now kind of seeing the, the impact and what it's done for us academically and for um, even the seniors ahead of us, how they didn't get to have a graduation and stuff like that. I think it's made me more grateful, um, more appreciative and trying not to, um, you know, complain about things that I don't have and think about things that other people kind of missed out on. Um, so it's just a really, really strange time to be a student doctor. Um, we I've taught the dental students from UK and um, school, schools in Utah, different places, and just listening to how they have to go back in the clinic and the things that they have to endure. It's just a very, very strange time. But mental health is so important. And I've just learned to really just step away and decompress when I need to and just try to identify ways that I can help. So that's where I'm at. Yeah, I'm much on the same uh, wavelength as Eris. Um, for me, it can be a little frustrating um, with all these things happening all at once. I mean, let's call a spade a spade. This year has been pretty trash, you know. Um, it sucks. But, I mean, as a black man myself, uh, I hate to see these things happening, uh, especially to my brothers and sisters. Um, it, it really makes you think, like, man, that could have been me. Mm -hmm. fortunate to you know be in a good position in dental school and things like that but you know you never know things could, it could really could have been me um but i am glad to see people coming together uh, not just black people but you know people of all ethnicities i mean you see it all over the world you know like eris was saying uk you know um australia everywhere um so i think that's great um but just like anything that trends on social media, it eventually dies down. So I think mm -hmm. um, it's hard, to, especially as African-American students, to make sure it doesn't go away. Like we need to keep pressing on the Black Lives Matter movement because it is a real movement and it's important. It needs to be respected. Uh, as far as COVID-19 goes, <clears throat> I mean, we can just do what we can. Um, we just have to stay protected um, because eventually, you know, we are going to start seeing patients again. So it's important that uh, we stay protected, not just so we don't infect anyone, but also so we don't get infected, you know, because you don't know when our patients come in, you don't know what lives they have going on. So, you know, yeah, they will be um, temperature tested at the door, but who knows if that's really everything, you know what I mean? Like there could be other things going on into it. So, I mean, they're still finding things out every day. Um, so I think we just, Gotta do our best to, to stay protected. Right, so many things going on in the world that'll just—if you turn on the TV, it'll just make you go into like a rabbit hole of thoughts and just negative, negative thoughts and everything. And I just think um, sometimes it's difficult dealing with all of this, and everyone knows we're all dealing with this, and then trying to be a student 
It's just mm-hmm. so difficult trying to maintain your good grades and just focusing on your studies when it's like, wow, black folks are just dying by the hands of police. That could have been me. That could have been my dad. That could have been my brother, mm-hmm. my mom. It's just, it's so, it's difficult. It's difficult being a student because it's, you want to focus on what your, your profession is going to be. But then on the other hand, you want to fight with your people outside and, and be with them. It's just, it's, it's so difficult. And I got to say this whole quarantine and everything has just been really hard on a lot of people's mental and my mental, even it's just, um, you know, as long as I talk to people about it and everything, it's just, it's hard. It's not going to lie. It's, it's been pretty difficult. I, I know I'm not the only one who's felt like this either, but you know, being a student during this time, Azaris and Brandon said, it's, it's pretty hard. We're in limbo right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think for me, one thing I can appreciate about everything that's going on, as negative as it is, I feel like it really um, reignited my responsibility to speak up for my community and represent Mm -hmm. my community. And I think that, you know, going to Meharry, this is my first HBCU experience. So, you know, I appreciate it so much. Um, But being involved in organizations like ASTA, where we're a minority, Mm -hmm. um, seeing these kind of situations happen throughout the nation, um, having that, you know, you're a dental student, so you know you have to focus, but you're like, what can I do to be a part? And I feel like the power of my voice and my opinion and my experiences as a Black woman in dentistry really matter. And really, um, this environment really pushed me to not tiptoe around anything that I have to say mm-hmm. and just be completely upfront and straightforward about, you know, what's going on because it's uncomfortable. You know, for some reason we could talk about everything else, but we can't talk about race. It's just mm-hmm. a taboo that's topic. what's taboo. Right? Yeah. yeah, it's taboo. It's you know, we have to talk about that delicate delicately, but I don't know about y'all, but as a black person, race has always been a conversation regardless Absolutely. of how old you are, um, you know, what you're going through, anything like that. You know, our parents were very intentional about having those conversations with us. So mm-hmm. especially me as an adult and as a dental professional, we can talk about race. We're going to talk about race, um, especially how it impacts me as a dental student in our lives and how we're going to practice in this country. So I think in, in light of all of that, I, I'm encouraged by the fact that it's encourage me to find ways that I can be a part and use my gift of dentistry and my position to really, you know, impact our community and and fight for a change. So. I think that's well said. Um, And I also, I'm interested to see how things are going to be handled um, at our school, um, especially from a financial point, because, you know, with the whole coronavirus, you know, people aren't, don't have the same money that they did, you know, prior to it. So people aren't going to be able to come in the clinic and then, you know, how are our requirements going to be affected? You know what I mean? Cause not everyone can pay for a crown, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. We got one stimulus check, but who, what is that? Yeah, it's That's gone. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, and it's different for us cause you know, yeah, we got some student loan money and things like that, but, you know, everybody else doesn't have money like that. And have the support that, you know, some of us might have at home already. So Mm -hmm. And that too. And then also, you know, with the Black Lives Matter movement, like how are some of our patients going to feel coming into our clinic now? Mm -hmm. Mm. Are they going to feel comfortable? Because I don't know about y'all, but like lately, you know, white people have been a lot nicer to me. (laughs) (laughs) I 
said, I've, I've, I've been fortunate to never really have like negative encounters as far as race goes. But, you know, you could tell when someone, you know, looks at you a little different because of the color of your skin. Mm-hmm. It's just, you can tell. But they've been a lot nicer to me. So I kind of <laughs> like it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see how that works out too. Um, I have two favorite patients and they are actually white people, an older white gentleman and an older white lady. And I am interested to see how our encounters will or will not change. And I was just saying that I have had, you know, some experiences with people um, being discriminatory against me. And before I felt like, you know, I would be the Michelle Obama and take the, the high route. But now I'm like, if a Karen come up in this dinner, <laughs> crazy, to her level, it's gonna be a problem. <laughs> I'm like, I apologize in advance, but you know, so um, I'm very. It's just so crazy that we're living in this time. But um, I think we're the generation for it to kind of not saying that any generation before didn't. In no way am I saying that, but um, I think especially for us at Meharry, we really. Um, have that environment. I know Dr. Um, Davis had an experience with a patient who was a um, Trump supporter, and he was saying some kind of interesting things in the clinic, maybe not so much appropriate, and um, he handled it well, and I respected where he came from. Dr. Davis has so much experience, like he did um, dental work on the person who assassinated Martin Luther King. He wow. just had so many Oh, wow. stories and experiences about dealing with racism. You know, he's from Chicago, so he talks about different riots he participated in as a teenager. So to kind of see, you know, to be able to relate to some of his experiences and learn from him and how to be a dentist and encounter those kind of things and deal with those kind of things is, is really good for our dental experience. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm like Brandon said, I'm interested to see how the clinic's going to go in light of this time. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, that right there, like that example, Eris, that's where we have to truly like internalize like ethics uh, and yeah. put beside our personal yeah. biases oh, yeah. <laughs> because um, <laughs> yeah, that I was like, what? Like, yeah, did, right. He said he did dental work on them and he told me stories and it was some book. I can't think of it right now. He told me to read it and I wrote it down in my notes, but I never bought it. But it was um. I think it was about him. So he, he said he has some experiences with that. And I'm like, thinking about that and thinking about this, I'm still going to go off on Karen if you try me. But <laughs> try to be an ethical dentist and do it the right way. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, being a doctor or a student doctor, you know, it's it encompasses way more than we think, really. Yeah. Like, it's so multi-layered that it's just like, we can't just, act on things essentially just because it's like, well, I feel like this is right. And I don't, you know, because you did something wrong, I'm going to discriminate against you. No, like people are coming to us as doctors, as people that, you know, um, who can help them and alleviate them out of whatever um, discomfort they may have. So it's just like, wow, I don't know how I would have reacted in that situation. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah crazy. You should talk to him about it sometime. He'll tell you. Yeah. I, I, I just um, like... Sorte, um, I worked at a dental office as an assistant for about two years. And I remember, I mean, this wasn't like to the capacity of what Dr. Davis went through, but um, I just remember this one patient, he just had his, his Trump Pence shirt on, just walking in, just all happy, go lucky. And, and he, he was like the nicest person ever. Mm-hmm. So, so my, me like prejudging 
I'm just like, oh, you know, this is about to be crazy. Like I'm not, and and I'm black. Like it just is not going to go well. But Mm -hmm. he was actually the nicest person ever. And I really had to think about the ethical part in it. Like, you know what? You need to treat every patient like it's your family member. Absolutely. So I guess it's it's hard, especially during these times right now. It's Mm -hmm. hard to, you know, I mean, of course you want to be ethical, but your first instinct, you just think that, oh, this is going to go bad. This is going to go left. Mm-hmm. Real bad, so yeah. and Mahara doesn't tolerate that. I've had right. I've heard stories of patients who say, you know, they don't want to be treated by a black student or a female wow. or whatever, and they will dismiss the patient. They won't mm-hmm. accommodate mm-hmm. to any ignorance or anything like that. So, you know, if a patient slips up and says something, you know, that'll just be practice for us when we go into the real world. Because as we all know, it doesn't look like us. It doesn't look a lot like Mahari, and we're definitely gonna have those experiences where people are like, oh, I didn't know you were black or I couldn't tell by your website that you were a black doctor or dentist. Mm-hmm. That's just the world that we live in. But, you know, luckily, you know, we're educated and talented enough to be able to handle that. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah. It's these experiences that truly uh, equip us to, you know, make sure that we are prepared, you know, to go out in the world and say, we are Meharry made, we are doctors because of all of the things and situations that we've endured. Yeah. Really. So it's like, I can, from the stories that, you know, um, your classes told me from even me talking to the graduating seniors, it's just like, man, this yeah. is what we have. Like, it's hard. En- <laughs> it's hard enough just to get the procedure down and make sure we have that. Mm-hmm. But then it's like, we have to remember, um, one of our teachers even said, it's not, we're not just treating the teeth. We're treating the overall total mm-hmm. person. So because of that, it's just like, we're dealing with real people who yeah. can talk back to you, who can make all of these comments. We're not dealing with the mannequin, you know, <laughs> out there. So so it's a big difference too. Once you guys get get to work with that tongue, <laughs> the tongue and then saliva and everything like that, mm. so it's a it's a different beast. But uh, move or go to sleep or you know all the fun stuff that you're making. Looking your head, it's just like oh god. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, the joys of going into clinic. <laughs> Well, Eris, Brandon, we appreciate having you guys on That's our good. show. Um, all right, do you guys have any uh, closing remarks or farewells? Um, to all, in my eyes, you guys are D3s now. So, <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> oh, wow. That <laughs> we're not. <laughs> but uh, just, you know, just keep working hard. Um, get yourself prepared for clinic as much as you can. Um, lean on your professors, lean on us. We're here to help you guys for 11 months. Then we're out of here. <laughs> wow. It's going to go by so fast. <laughs> wow. Out of here. Yeah, I just want to say thanks, you guys. This is so awesome. I've been inspired by y'all since you guys started this podcast. And I'm just so proud of both of you to know you guys personally and to know that this is not all that you do. It's just a small thing that you do, but it's so amazing. You guys balance everything so well. So I'm super duper proud of y'all and thanks for the opportunity to be a part. And I agree with Brandon, y'all are D3s. Don't let anybody tell you any differently. <laughs> no, as always, I, I, can, I know we can speak for our class when we say we're ready to help y'all and do the clinic together and, you know, hopefully 
teach you guys all the things that we didn't know coming in the start years and um, just make it a, a better experience for you because that's every, you know, upperclassman's responsibility. So, Absolutely. Ooh, all right. Well, man, that was... These years are just going by no, so are. fast. They really are. So That's fast. Exactly. Like, <laughs> we just stepped foot on campus is what it felt like. But, um, whew, all right, we're going to get through this. <laughs> um, but we're going to go ahead and wrap things up. Um, you know, I like to close out with something to make you guys smile. All right, Tay. So, uh, I know. <laughs> Jasmine, you missed the last one. It was funny. So <laughs> hopefully this was good. We're going to see. Okay. What do you call shoes made of banana peels? What do you call shoes made of banana peels? Can I guess? Hmm? Can I guess or no? Oh, I mean, you can. <laughs> well, I don't want to mess up the joke, so, you know. Aw, oh, dang. Well, Jazz got it. It's like I got it. it. <laughs> What's the first joke I got? Oh, yeah, you got it. What? <laughs> It's I was going to say that too. Dang. Oh, well, then that's, oh gosh. Okay, let me see <laughs> if I can say joke. another one. Okay. That's the first joke I got ever. That is. First okay, joke. so then, all right. I guess I kind of have a backup one, kind of. Okay. I'll, okay. I'll shut up. <laughs> all right. Um, what do you call a dog with no legs? Horn dog. Hot dog. <laughs> No. <laughs> you can call it whatever name you, you want because it's not going to come. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, Tay, that was a good one. Okay, good. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah. <laughs> I can't believe I got that first one. I know you did. I was, I was shocked. <laughs> um, but in honor of Juneteenth yesterday, June 19th, Power to the People, um, I just wanted to share a quote from Desmond Tutu, and that is, my humanity is bound up in yours, for we can only be human together. And don't forget, stay flossing, keep flossing. If you like what you hear, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Pod for more updates on the show, and be sure to give us a shout out. Want to ask us questions or give suggestions on topics that you'd like to hear? Then email us at theocclusaltablepodcast at gmail.com. We love to hear feedback from our listeners, so don't forget to leave a thumbs up, five stars, and a review on whichever platform you're listening on. Well, that's all we have for today. So until next time, this is The The Occlusal Table. Table!